If ministry is a battlefield, we have a whole lot of healing that is going on. And some of that is a result of the fire from the enemy. But unfortunately, and all too often, we see that this is friendly fire that has taken out some of our leaders in the church. I had a chance to sit down with Wounded Leadership founder, Dr. Matthew Tanner, and he is dedicated to helping wounded leaders find healing and restoration after experiencing unjust termination or forced resignation. And the conversation is fascinating because it's not only a personal story for him of of how these terminations that cause so much pain take place in the first place, but actually has a method and and a way that he goes through the healing process. And that process for healing wounded leaders really can be likened to smelting in a forge. Just as you heat the metal and the metal is battered and molded to become stronger, so too we have leaders that are shaped through the firestorm of fear, the sea of sacrifice, and the hall of humility. And wounded leadership really steps in and acts as that blacksmith that's providing the tools and guidance necessary for leaders to emerge from the fire and forge of their experiences with renewed strength and renewed purpose. I love the work that Matthew is doing, and we get to talk through how can we actually change this so that we're not just dealing with wounded leaders and wounded pastors, but we are preventing it from the very beginning. I think you're going to enjoy this. Listen in. This is Dr. Matthew Tanner of Wounded Leadership. Hey, welcome to the Life After Ministry podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm here with another Matt, but we're going to differentiate just right out the gate. And this is Dr. Matthew Tanner, who wrote a book called The Wounded Leader and leads the ministry called Wounded Leadership. Hey, welcome, and thank you for being here. Hey, Matt. Thanks for letting me uh, come on here and share about the the ministry and the direction God is leading me in helping pastors and leaders find healing. Yeah, and it's it's big. It's a need. Um, we're getting calls every single week, as I'm sure you have. This is not a, a science project. This was not a doctoral dissertation only for you, but this is real-life experience. You're not writing this from the outside uh, this mm-hmm. is your personal experience of being in pastoral ministry and coming out of it. Give us a little bit of the backdrop of that story. Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, this it wasn't just a doctoral dissertation. This was a survival uh, journey for me because I found myself in this area of being forced from a pastoral ministry at the really at the same time I was choosing my project. And I was, as I was healing, I was looking for anything out there to help me. You know, how do I navigate this, uh, this experience? And, and frankly, I wasn't finding a lot of, uh, a lot of books or a lot of research on this. So I, was, I, I set out to write this for pastors, but really it was for me to, to survive. The church that I was in, uh, just, it was a battle from the beginning, but, um, you know, I was called a heretic over certain teaching and just had a group that would fight against me the whole time. And through the length of ministry, um, I was reaching the wrong people, you know, all the different excuses that, that they, uh, that they throw out there, but it was, it was a, it was a misplaced or misunderstood leadership dynamic in the church. The wrong people were in the wrong places. Um, but even got so far as rumors were started about my marriage and things like that. 
just to get me out of that position. So writing this book uh, was for me. It was for me to survive and try to find a path to heal through one of the most difficult things that I've walked through. I remember when I was 19 years old uh, and had this inkling that I wanted to go into ministry, uh, I talked to my youth pastor at the time and said, hey, what would an internship look like? And he said something that surprised me, and I'll never forget it. He said, uh, yeah, I'd love to have you here, but I'm just going to warn you from the beginning that for the first six months of this internship, I am going to discourage you from ever getting into ministry. And if you survive that, you can keep going. Um, exactly. Yeah, I remember my call to ministry. Uh, I went to my dad, who my dad's a retired pastor, and I went to went to my dad, and I'm I'm all excited. And I'm like, Dad, I, God's calling me to to be a pastor. What do you think? And he said, Son, if you can if you can do anything else at all and be happy and fulfilled, go do that first. Right. Yeah. And, and still, we persist and we get into the ministry. Uh, right. And what we don't realize is that on the back end, that w- there will be discouragement to the point of. Um, why did I even begin this uh, in the first place? And we end up talking to a lot of people that are questioning everything. They're questioning their call. They're questioning a lot of stuff. Um, You did not get to this point in your career where you said said to yourself, I I think I want to do something else. This falls in the category of what we would call you got blindsided. Um, You didn't expect this coming. Uh, How did that happen? Yeah, and, and to explain it without without all the details and the specifics of the story, yeah. basically what happens again is it's misplaced leadership. The wrong people are trying to shepherd and um, placing themselves above the pastoral role in many evangelical churches. But the, the reasons could be many. Um, in in fact, they just they don't want the pastor there for whatever reason, and so this mobbing begins to happen. Mm. And that's when you, you know, you're not, you, you hear all the things that the small group with the big, you know, imaginary army comes, comes along and says, well, everybody's saying, or, uh, you're not visiting enough or, you know, my so-and-so was in the hospital and you didn't get there fast enough. They come up with all these things and they just continue to nitpick absolutely every decision you make. And they really just wear you down. To the point where you're just like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Now, there are, uh, in my research, quite a few cases where they uh, went to some extreme levels. Like in my case, uh, there was a deacon in the church that started a rumor around town about my marriage and uh, knew it wasn't true, but it, it, he knew what effect it would cause. It would get the job done. So that's what's happening. You know, it's blindsided, but it, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a death of a thousand uh, wounds, if you will. Um, Just continue to stab away until finally you just wear down and and you just go. You're like, I I can just do something else. Um, Now, there are cases where it's just it's quicker blindsiding um, where they just come to you and say, uh, by the way, you're, you're not our pastor anymore. And it's just that quick. But most cases, it's that slow drip. Uh, Just continue to put pressure. So what what. What is the expanse? Is this a small problem? And there's, you know, we're, we're talking about a group of 100 pastors, you know, nationwide every year, or is it much bigger than that? Yeah, I wish it was that small. Um, according to the research, and it's very young research, I will admit, but according to the research that I could find, it's happening at a clip of about 4 to 7% per evangelical denomination. Now, that doesn't sound a lot until you, until you crunch the numbers. You take all of evangelical, there's several hundred thousand. Uh, I think uh, if I remember, it's, it's been a while since I've had this number in front of me. 
you know, three, 400,000 churches in evangelicalism alone, just in the U.S., not even worldwide, and four to seven percent. So this is happening of tens of thousands of, of pastors a year who are being unjust, unjustifiably terminated. So anything, you know, other than moral, ethical failure that they're being terminated for or forced to resign, meaning that's that slow drip or just push, 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 push until they till they get out. And this number recirculates every year. This is per year. So we're not just talking about a few hundred people. Best we can tell, we're talking about tens of thousands per year. Wow. So what what don't we know about the road ahead for a pastor that's just been let go or or forced into resignation? Yeah, one of the biggest things is the isolation. Because, you know, pastors, we're self-reflective anyway, and we've been teaching and leading the right direction. So we're, we've been hurt. We've been pushed out. And we're sitting here uh, spending all the time taking the log out of our own eye and looking at our own weakness. Per you know, of the interviews that I did for the book, to a person, every single one of them questioned did, or said, did I miss something? Did I, did I miss my calling? Was I supposed to do something else years ago? But they find themselves isolated. They, they usually they're a lot of times in a small town. There's not other pastors around them. They don't have that network, and so they're just alone. And so one of the best things that needs to happen right off the bat is find a group like Wounded Leadership or Pastoral Transitions and uh, just tell your story. Just just know that there's a network of guys out here that are just as hurt as you are. Um, that you're not alone. And then just have a strategy to start building. The worst thing you can do is do nothing. Um, so find and develop a strategy, do something to start uh, spiritual healing, emotional healing, and leading to what's next in your life. Do you, do you think that pastors are going about some of this in the wrong way? I, for example, I talked to a leader of a church even this morning, and the question was, he, he he's looking at, this is an executive pastor who is looking at somebody on the staff that they're going to have to let go um, mm. and for, for all the right reasons. And it's just a necessary change. But the, their question and hesitation or even fear is this person has made the church and the people at the church their entire life. It's their community. It's it's their friendships. It's everything. And the fear, and I, I, I appreciate the heart of this executive pastor is, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do when we have to let him go because his entire support system is here at the church. Do we, have we put all of our eggs relationally in one basket and do we need to diversify friendships and, and find people outside of the church just in case this happens? But at the same time, that creates this, this, this kind of stigma or, or, or dynamic in our relationships at the church where we really can't ever fully commit uh, because there's always that fear of I might not have this forever. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where you those ingredients, in in my opinion, is what creates toxic leaders in churches. Um, so they put up walls because I, I can't fully give myself relationally to the church because I'm most likely going to hurt, get hurt, or I've been hurt in the past. And we also say, well, I cannot give myself relationally to a network or some friendship outside of the church because um, what is the church going to think? They're going to think I'm not giving enough to them. So we as pastors find ourselves really in this weird 
weird place. But you you know as well, Matt, that we're we as pastors we're the worst at taking care of ourselves, not only relationally but just physically. You know, taking time to go exercise and things like that, and we do focus so much on the church. But focusing and building on yourself is not a negative, and it's learning a life of balance. Um, you have to have that outside network that you can bounce ideas off, that you can just vent to um, and just release some of that tension. So uh, we as pastors got to find a better balance in that. It's it's not neglecting the church if you have some deep friendships outside of the church and a network of other relationships that you give yourself to. But, you, you know, so you have to have that balance um, because to a person, we give everything we have to that ministry, everything we have to that church. And then when we find ourselves in this position, we're alone. Yeah. You're, like we have nowhere to turn. Yeah. Now, now today you are no longer in the pulpit, uh, in the front. You're not in full-time vocational ministry. Um, right. You are bivocational even now. Uh, but what is it like for for somebody who who doesn't know who's listening in? Uh, what's it like to be the person up in front and then to show up and go to church and just be a normal churchgoer? Yeah, it's just really weird. Um, it's just a weird feeling. Um, you know, you're and I and when I share this with people, I'm living it right now mm. in this moment. So. You're used to being that upfront guy. You're used to being uh, the the guy that everybody comes to and looking at church from a pastoral perspective. And now you're going somewhere uh, and you feel like you've got that big red uh, letter on your, you, you know, that everybody, oh, you know, well, that's the guy that, that was kicked out of the other place. So it's, it, you've got that stigma that you put on yourself anyway. And you just don't know how to sit and be a church member. Uh, and so it's just a weird, weird place. And that's another thing is we, we need churches who will. And this has happened in my experience where I've been to a couple of places in the place that I'm now. Uh, they don't announce from the pulpit, hey, we've got this wounded pastor here. But they let me just be a member. They care for me. They don't give a lot of, you know, I can sit on the background and they just kind of inch my way into feeling much better. Um, but for pastors, you, you know, Hebrews 10 still applies for us, even though we've been hurt by a church, we can't neglect gathering together. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you got to put yourself out there and my advice to them would be go have a conversation with the pastor of the church that you're attending and just say, Hey man, here's how, here's who I am. Here's what's just happened. Um, I'm going to be here. I don't want you to, you know, point me out or any of these things, but how can you help me get connected? That pastor can help you get connected uh, with some other men in the church that can love on you. Um, that can, you know, some people that you can sit with. Um, you would think as pastors, we would know how to be visitors in a church. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so difficult for us uh, because we, we carry that personal stigma of failure with it. Uh, and we just think it's like everybody's noticing our failure. That's not the case. Uh, most, but you got to put yourself out there and, and just push through those feelings and, and get involved somewhere, but it, it's awkward. It's tough. So that that's almost coming from a perspective of, I wonder if everybody sees me, how I see myself. 
Absolutely. Right? And, and yeah, you feel like you might be sticking out like a sore thumb. Truth is probably that 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 is not the case, um, but that is our perception. How, how do you fight the sit in the seat and not like, well, they really missed that, the, the context of that passage or would have done that one differently or where's the greeting committee in the, in the parking lot? Like I just, I was able to get in and out and not one person noticed me, which is kind of what I wanted, but also really bad for the church, right? How do you, how do you work through some of that? Yeah, just, uh, there's some different ways, you know, keep a notebook, write some of those ideas down and know that you're probably not going to share it with anybody. Find that outlet. Uh, but just, man, it's so hard to turn that pastoral brain off, especially if you've been in ministry for any length of time. And it's funny how we're wounded, but critical at the same time. Mm. Uh, you know, so we're, we're sitting there at the pastor, you know, it was like, oh, I would have preached that differently or something like that. Man, that's, that's a really good question. That's tough. You just have to be intentional about setting those things aside and just be intentional about understanding this is a season that I'm just going to be a, I'm going to be a listener. I'm going to be in the pulpit um, and, and just allow yourself to not care about those things. So you don't have to pick that, that tool bag up, just leave it there. It, it's one of those things we've got to be a little bit selfish at that point, at least for a season. You're there to heal yourself. So look at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it really doesn't matter what that church is doing. It doesn't matter if they're failing or whatever, what you would do differently you're there to to heal yourself so that you don't become a toxic leader or you don't, if you go back into leadership, you don't wound again. Just find something. You know, one of the things that I do when I'm listening to a message, because if you preach for any length of time, it's hard to listen to messages. Um, I still get my notebook out and I start with a posture of, I want to find one nugget, just one thing out of this message that I can write down and that I can I can get something out of that I can maybe study later or something like that. And simple things like that put you in a posture of not being critical, but just having a heart ready to listen. That's good. So if if the point of uh, a wounded pastor is to heal, yes, what does that process look like? As you, you're counseling and you're meeting with uh, people who are coming out of ministry, what what does the healing journey look like? Yeah, and I detail this uh, in, in the book, The Wounded Pastor, but there's a four-step healing process. The first one is economic, because if you're not paying the bills, you're not doing anything else. And, and pastors, we we are absolutely terrible about preparing for, for tragedy or pre- preparing for something like this to happen. Yeah. And many a times, the uh, if you do get a severance, it's woefully short, and so we're in just survival mode. Um, so there, there's some things that you can do to prepare ahead of time. And there's some things that you can do. There's some networks out there that'll help you get your feet underneath you. But the second level is is emotional healing. I coined a phrase in the book, the post-traumatic spiritual stress disorder, Hmm. um, because I can't, I, I mean, I tell you, even now today, if I hear the term deacons meeting, or if I hear the term business meeting, my anxiety goes through the roof. My heart rate goes up. I get a, a cold sweat. <laughs> it's just getting bad. Yeah. So you treat it like PTSD and you, you, you learn what your triggers are and you start working through that emotionally. Then you go into the spiritual, uh, the spiritual realm. And that's, that's really dealing with, you know, the questioning of your call, solidifying that, that did I miss something you're dealing with? Uh, well, it's like David wrote in the Psalms, 
you know, David wrote, I think, 12 Psalms when he was running from Absalom, when he was kicked out of his kingdom. And so there's a correlation, there's a connection there. And it starts with God, how long is this going to last? God, why have you let this happen? You know, going to God with those clear questions, but then always ends up with, but you're still God, you have a purpose and you have a plan. So just spending some of that time really repairing your relationship with the Lord and then learning some leadership development lessons. Don't take a look at your leadership and mistakes you may have made in that pulpit until after you've done economic, emotional, spiritual healing. Then you can look at your leadership and go, how can I be a stronger leader, whether it be back in ministry or if I go into something else, you still carry those wounds with you. And so you want to make sure you're not toxic. You want to make sure that you're, you're, you're a biblical healed leader um, and leading with humility. I'm curious, where do you think that the wounding comes from? Do you feel like the wounding comes from the actual termination day, what we would call day zero, or does it come before that in all of the actions leading up to that? I'm wondering, like, I think the question in the question is, is there a good way to let somebody go from ministry, even if it has to be sudden, even if it has to be, this is the thing that needs to happen right now? Is there a way that we can do this without causing the wound to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. And I I also detail in the first part of the book, there's actually four quadrants. There's justified termination, there's mutual termination, no termination, and then unjustified. And so there's, there's different times that this separating needs to take place. Now, incidentally enough, the churches seem to do a better job at exiting from their pastor or letting their pastor go if it's a moral or ethical failure. Uh, they offer counseling. The severances are usually better. Um, things like that. In the unjustified category, some the church leadership or whoever's leading this mob is acting sinfully, and many times they don't deal with it correctly. So even, even in unjustified, even when you get to this point, not to oversimplify it, but the church just needs to be the church. The secular world does a better job at, at the exit strategy or letting somebody go than the church. And, and that is just, that's just pitiful. So even if it's unjustified or even if it's for whatever, whatever reason, love the guy anyway, mm-hmm. you know, provide, provide a severance for uh, at least enough to where he can find some employment, uh, pay for, pay for counseling, because if it's unjustified for whatever reason, the guy's going through quite a rough transition. And like I said earlier, he's isolated and alone. So provide that network for him. You know, you may absolutely hate the guy. You may think all of these problems and all the mobbing effect and all of the things that happen. But at the end of the day, doggone it, you're the church. Mm-hmm. Do better. You know, uh, if it may get me in trouble for saying this, but man, look at some companies and how they're letting their people go and at least do that. I mean, you know, we can do a better job at, even if we, for whatever reason, the church is letting the pastor go, just give them a plan, love them enough to get them to whatever next step is. Yeah. And, and I know that the, it sounds like generalizations in the whole church is messing this up. And and I want to make sure that we're, you and I, we both know that there are a lot of churches that do this really well 
Um, oh, absolutely. And then there are some, and I think we're speaking to the ones that just need the encouragement of, yes, we can do better, right? We will be known by our love, John 13. Uh, absolutely. But I, I always like to look at this, and I've, I've, I think I've always told people this, like when they're making a really hard life decision, um, whether uh, you know they have a child who is using drugs, um, whether they're in a marriage that is not going well, uh, and they find out there's infidelity, what, whatever that is, they, and I've, anytime somebody's come to me and they've asked, uh, what do I do in this situation? I feel like a, a really helpful filter I've put on things has been, what would you want yourself five years from now to look back on this situation today and wish that you would have done better, right? Or whatever that is that you wish you would have done, do that thing. Because I, I do think that there are, like you said, there are uh, corporate jobs in corporate world. Um, they actually have something called outplacement services. And at least they will give you a severance. And here's a few sessions with a career guidance counselor, somebody who will just help you with some assessments and some other pieces where you might get stuck. Absolutely. I, I've even had the situation where one of the elders that was uh, around when I was going through my own transition came back to me and just said, you know, uh, I regret and I wish that we had done it differently. Um, I wish that we gave you more of a runway financially and I just want to apologize. But nobody's ever come to me uh, of all the engagements and the, the people that we've worked with the pastoral transitions. Nobody's ever come and said, yeah, we wish we just gave them nothing. <laughs> we wish that we didn't, we weren't generous at all because they just totally took advantage of it. Um, yeah. I think we have a responsibility before God to do the right thing. And they have a responsibility before God to do the right thing. So let us be generous in not just the severance, but in how we take care of them. That means counseling. And that means let's make sure that their next step on the career path is is going well. So I'm sure that you see this and that you've experienced that. And when you're hearing this, you're probably thinking, yes, I wish I had all of that myself. Yeah. And, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you that you had somebody come back and do that. I've not had that experience and, and I've been through an unjustified termination more than once. Um, and I've not ever had that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the churches that are doing it right, share that information, you know, what, what's, and I talked about the isolating effect. The, the thing is, is that this is happening so much, but nobody knows about it and we don't know about each other. You know, there's there's the network like pastoral transitions and, and some of those things and wounded leadership that we're trying to dive into that and sh sharing resources and coming up with a plan. Like it doesn't matter why this has happened. You've come to the point where this is going to happen. Here's a step by step process. Err on the side of generosity. And, and at the end of the day. The decision has been made to separate. So let's put our emotions and the feelings aside and let's not try to punish the guy. Let, let's at least help him to the next step. You are uh, not just talking about this. You've not just lived it, but you are trying to help and change the narrative and a thought leader in this space. And so that's why we, we love you and the work that you're doing. Um, there are two outlets and two things that um, really I want to be able to point people to. Uh, one is your book and the other is an upcoming conference. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, first of all, and I'll even I'll even hold it up. This there is the go. book, The Wounded Pastor. Um, this was my healing journey. And what I did is I interviewed, uh, I, well, I took 30 pastors and had just had them tell their stories. And it is out of those stories of those who have walked through this pain and suffering, that's where the strategy came from. 
And so it's going to tell you how much it's happening. It's going to tell you the, like what this phenomenon is, and then it's going to step you through the healing process. So that's the book. Go out, get it, read it. Um, there's there's uh, quotes and, and stories from other pastors in there. So if anything, you're going to sit there and realize, hey, I'm not alone. Um, so go go grab that. The conference that's coming up, I'm really excited about. March 2nd is the first one of these we're going to do, hopefully to build on and do more of those. But it's going to be a one-day conference. In the morning, we're going to walk through the wounded pastor and really uh, dialogue and, and talk about the healing process. And in the afternoon, I have partnered with Servants by Design and everybody that goes to the conference is going to go through their free to be me profile. And it's understanding your personality. It's understanding how you work and it's understanding and everybody's going to leave with a spiritual action plan on how to uh, work through distress, uh, the distress patterns within your personality. So these things, these two things go together. So you're going to understand how to heal yourself emotionally and spiritually. You're going to understand how to go through this process. And at the end of that day, you are going to have a personalized plan on how you can walk through this healing process. So here's how you get all this information. Go to woundedleadership.com. It's one-stop shop. You're going to, you're going to find out about me. If you want to contact me for speaking or anything like that, you can do that. You can find out there's a tab for the conference, all the information, and you can sign up right there. Uh, you can order the book on uh, woundedleadership.com. And you can also, if there is somebody that is just really struggling with the trauma and the aftermath of a forced resignation, unjustified termination, you, uh, you can go to the biblical center for or the Center for Biblical Counseling and uh, sign up with me and we'll, we'll walk through some of this journey together. All that is on woundedleadership.com. Yeah. And then the reason we started this podcast in particular was the overflow and the overwhelm that we had even as a ministry. Um, there's so much hurt and there's so much pain. Um, and we're so thankful every time somebody finds us um, yes. because we weren't around a couple of years ago. You weren't around a couple of years ago. We were going through our own journeys, creating what it is that we have now. But to have these places to now send folks and to be able to help um, really is healing in and of itself, as I'm sure that you, you know, and you feel so. Yeah, it's been so much, it's been fun, but it's also been healing to, to get with networks like this and, and sit down and talk with you and some of the other guys that have been through it uh, and just share our stories and share ideas. Like I said, at the beginning, this is happening at the clip of tens of thousands per year, it's going to take all of us together marching forward in this endeavor to, uh, to start seeing pastors healed. There's too many of them falling by the wayside. Uh, we, we have just, uh, we, I mean, denominationalism has just said, well, that's just acceptable losses. I'm not willing to say that. Um, it's going to take this network of guys walking together, ministries walking together, sharing resources, sharing ideas, and uh, let's find some healing for these guys that are hurting. That's right. We're, we're both helping those who've been injured in the battle, but we're also trying to prevent the battle from the Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so yeah. Uh, well, Matthew Tanner, um, we're, we're glad to be in partnership with you and in friendship with you. Uh, we want to be able to point everybody. And so if you're listening to this, uh, we want to make sure that you go to 
woundedleadership.com and you'll be able to get the book, uh, connect with Matthew, connect with the conference. And uh, we're just thankful for you. Thank you for doing this work, uh, for bringing healing uh, to your own story, but also to extend that healing to those who are hurting. So we love you and we appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you so much for today. Um, praying for you guys as we all uh, we all seek the Lord together on this healing process. Amen. Well, thank you, Matthew. All right, thanks. And that's a wrap on today's episode of the Life After Ministry podcast. Now, I know many of you are listening and asking what's next, especially after a tough transition coming out of vocational ministry. And we want you to know that you're not alone in this. Every week we hear from pastors who are navigating this wilderness season, seeking direction and seeking hope. To support these leaders, Pastoral Transitions has established a nonprofit arm. And if you're moved by these stories and you want to help, a simple donation can make a significant difference. You can go to pastoraltransitions.com to contribute and your generosity helps provide guidance and healing for pastors and their families in transition. And special thanks to Dr. Matthew Tanner of Wounded Leadership for ongoing support and friendship. You can also consider directing your gift to specific leaders or to support attendance at the Wounded Leadership Conference. Thank you for listening and for your willingness to help those in transition. Shalom. Shalom.